Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, I saw you mowed your lawn today. What's it like being a homeowner with a lawn? Um, yeah, le- le- legitimately, last um, last night I mowed my lawn and I sat down and I had a beer and I watched the last like five minutes of the... I guess it was the Rangers and the Lightning, like in a hockey game I didn't care about. And sitting there, I was like, oh, I'm my dad. Like, this is the rest of my life. Those Allstate commercials about, or whatever insurance it is about becoming your <laughs> becoming your parents when you buy a home. I was like, yep, this is it. This is what I'm going to do until I die is mow the lawn and then have a beer and watch a sports event that I actually don't care about. <laughs> I Man will literally watch the last five minutes of the NHL game before going to therapy. Many people are tweeting It was that. cool. So uh, I've been to a hockey game this year. I went to a, a, a Hurricanes game, which evidently they were good, but they totally oh, go Canes. The, the, Hell yeah. Uh, playoffs but hockey's like super aesthetically pleasing it just the geometry and the fluidity it just makes a lot of sense i really like it um and this broadcast i watched last night we, we did not plan this this is we're going off script so early that's fine was like it was their ice cast or something it's kind of like their stat cast and so it had the players up and it had like how many shots on goal and it had like a running total of minutes like how many minutes in the offensive zone and shots on goal and saves it was super cool i really liked it I did not know that existed. That's honestly really cool. Yeah, well, I'm logged in. I've got my ESPN Plus game like very dialed in because I've been doing college. I've been watching college baseball. They've had all these things, and so this was on ESPN Plus. But like, it was it was great. ESPN Plus has been doing awesome this week with Squeeze Play, which is like the college baseball kind of red zone, and it's just people talking. And there's like three or four games up, and they just talk about different things as the games are happening. Really, really great content. So I'm glad you said that because we did not talk about this in our pre-show meeting, which was mostly 10 minutes of me talking about the Boys and Girls Club of Bay City. Um, we should give a shout out to TC Baseball. Valiant effort, I think. Um, I watched their game against Texas A&M uh, at a friend of mine who is an A&M fan. And once uh, A&M cranked that homer into what the fifth or sixth inning, I told her, hey, you know what? I'm going home. I can see where this is going. I woke up the next morning. Turns out a lot of crap happened after that yeah. home run. It got wild. Uh, we we went through all the stages of Greece, uh, grief, uh, I think, twice in that in that game. But mm-hmm. it was really fun. TCU obviously had some holes in Kirk Sarlis' first year, but they won the Big 12 outright um, in his first year, which is awesome. And they were the number two seed in their region, and they were the second team left. So, like, I don't I don't know what else you can really ask for. Um, out of them like I think the bullpen obviously it was a little disappointing but shout out to Cam sure. Brown shout out to uh, Austin Crow, oh. the Aggie Destroyer like great pitching performance is really fun there I, I, I if you're interested more in baseball stats I'm posting like regional stuff we won't we, you know we won't opine too much on this podcast but um, it was fun it was it was cool to root for them and um, I think they should be proud of the season for sure I, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Tommy Sacco and um, because my group text from uh, TCU um, had a very had a very low opinion of Tommy heading into the season, and com- he completely flipped the script. Yeah, uh, amazing player this year. Um, absolutely knocked it out of the park, both literally and figuratively. Um, so excited to see TCU next year. Um, and you know, no shame in losing to a to a good A and M team. As as much as that sentence pains me to say. Um. Parker, anything else going on in the world of college football before we get to our 
main topic? Well, I think I have two items of banter. So one, we we always do this. Okay. We do it's such a bad job. We're going to preview Texas Tech. We're going to talk so much about Texas Tech tonight. Um, we're not doing a... Um, it's not like worst to best or anything. It's literally just we we always start with Kansas and they're like, who do we want to do next? And right. so we just kind of talk about it. Uh, but uh, so we're going to preview Texas Tech here in a little bit. Before we get to that, I have two items of banter that I think will both be really, really quick. But um, okay. one, Grant, what the hell is going on with Phil Mickelson? I saw so this Phil picture Mickelson- today that looked like a man who hasn't slept in six months um, I, there, there's something LIV golf, whatever. I don't want to know the details. I just want to know, is Phil okay? <laughs> no, there's a decent chance. He may have spent the last two months in a shipping container, um, uh, on the way to, like uh, to, to, to Riyadh. Um, yeah, basically uh, the long and short of it is he and a bunch of, of other golfers sold their souls to, uh, the Saudi government, um, for about $200 million. Uh, which, to be fair, if you're going to put a price on your soul, that's not necessarily a bad price tag. But uh, if anyone he, would like to buy been, my soul for two hundred million dollars, I'm interested. We could talk. I we will drop our emails in the bottom of this uh, podcast description for you to make an offer. Yeah, it, it's 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 not good. Um, it, it's sports. Listen, I, I'm either going to talk about it for an hour or I'm going to talk about it for thirty seconds. So I'm capping myself. But basically, Phil's been living under a rock because a biography about him by Alan Shipna, great journalist, just came out. Details a lot of his gambling issues. His um, also a lot of the charitable things he does. He's a really complicated figure, and now he is 51 years old. He is the defending PGA champion as of last month, before Justin Thomas won, and now he's playing golf for uh, Saudi Arabia. So there you go. And he looks awful. He, I, th- legitimately, that's what got it. Is like I, I think there's obviously like criticisms of all of this, but I mean, I even think back to what was it. During the during the pandemic, it was like him and Brady and Manning or yeah and and yeah Tiger yeah or him Brady yeah that's right played golf and he looked like he did not have bags oh. under his eyes he looked like a human being uh, and that that was just wild mm-hmm. to me he you know you know the Matthew McConaughey meme from uh, True Detective where he's like smoking <laughs> a cig and like that that's what he looked like that, yep. that's the permanent facial expression that he had uh, because you brought up True Detective shout out to True Detective season two which I think is underrated. Um, I just that that's out of nowhere, but I I think that people think it was bad. I think it was okay. It was bad. See, True Detective season one's the best season of television of all time. Season two sucked. Season three was okay. They just announced season four with Jodie Foster, and I am jacked. I can't wait. I'm skeptical of that. Season three, I think oh. one. Oh, Jodie Foster's awesome. Scoot McNary killed it. In yes, season three killed yes. it. Um, I, I I'm gonna botch his first name. I uh, Maharasha Mahershala. Ali? Mahershala. That was Mahershala close. Ali. Yeah. Um, I think if it was anybody else, the season would have been unwatchable. Um, just because yes, he has such a like stoic, striking figure, and I think they did a they did a weird like bait and switch with like the satanic panic, and then it was like not that mm-hmm. at all. But I think season two has a compelling big motive. I think that all, all three detectives involved are interesting, um, and your boy loves Colin Farrell. I'm, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, the I, Colin Farrell I, I like scene where he, where he threatens the dad um, after like punching that little kid. How does Colin be the Farrell best. have like a fat redheaded son? Like Colin, I, I don't Farrell, know. Colin Farrell's kid know. in that show looked like what I think my kid's gonna look like eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not your kid, Colin Farrell. 
I'm going to move you along for the sake of time. Welcome what is the Pebble Theory podcast two? where we talk about TV yeah, shows what is, what is seven years? <laughs> what is banter number two? Um, oh, this is very good. Xavier Worthy of Texas posted uh, an, an Instagram, a TikTok, I don't know, um, that Quinn Ewers is driving an Aston Martin. Um, he has been gifted an Aston Martin as part of an NIL deal. That brings our luxury car update to Bijan Robinson is driving a Lambo. CJ Stroud mm-hmm. is driving a Bentley. Quinn Ewers mm-hmm. is, is is driving an Aston Martin. And, and Grant, so I just want to ask, what is your NIL dream car? <laughs> you're oh, you're a five-star uh, athlete. You've, you've gone to the big leagues. What are, what are they paying for? Uh, this is going to make me sound like a uh, sorority girl from Highland Park. I really like Mercedes G wagons, and I would love to uh, to drive. One. Can I use my? I'm going to use my curse word earmuffs to everyone. Grant, you're a basic bitch. Oh, I am. But <laughs> well, what's yours? I think that what I would do is my strategy is I would go looking for like REI like outdoor brands and try and get somebody to get me like a badass outfitted Tacoma. Like I don't, you want an Eddie Bauer expedition. Well, okay. One, my first car was a um, 1994 Ford Explorer, forest green, Eddie Bauer edition, had the khaki stripe, limited edition, excellent car. Um, but I, I'm too big to fit in some of these small cars, man. I was in, I was in California for a um, a conference a couple months ago at this point, and everyone out there, all the Uber drivers were driving Teslas, and I was just, I was, mm-hmm. they were all super nice. I was just. I was just crunched in there, man. I can't fit in one of those. I don't want one of those. I, I, I would go outdoor brand, lifestyle. Give me like a badass big car or big truck that's like outfitted. Yeah, that's that's what I would go for. You're driving the the, the Dodge Ram Cummins engine, um, just you know, complete power diesel. Model. Exactly. You know, you know who I. This will be my last thing, and then we'll get to tech tech. You know who I am very sad didn't have nil deals. Bart Johnson. Bart Johnson, after they won oh. the Rose Bowl, Bart Johnson came to the celebration on like a Sunday in January. He was wearing like knee-high boots, camo head to toe. And they're like, Bart, how are you feeling? Whatever. And he's like, well, I was hunting this morning and coach texted me. I don't know how to be at this thing. So I came back from the ranch. <laughs> it's like, I would have loved to see how many like, you know, logs of skull they would have given you sure. for that NIL deal. <laughs> okay, listen, I, college grant, a red man, uh, NIL deal would have would have Ooh, just buddy. that'd have been dangerous. Uh, really, yeah, would have really set the tone. Uh, but my first car, by the way, a Pontiac Firebird. So I understand the the feeling of being a nice uh, a big man stuffed in a little car. Uh, Parker, speaking of red man, would you like to talk about the Texas Tech Red Raiders? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone, and we're just gonna keep moving. <laughs> Let's so, talk about have you? Texas Tech. <laughs> Have you prepared a quote? Have you prepared a a, a, a summary for <laughs> you know for Texas? You know Texas? what else is red? Um, don't don't no. We're not doing those jokes. We're gonna cancel Grant tonight. Um, yeah, let's talk. Let's do our Texas Tech preview. I I, I think this one is all it, it is fun. I think that again, our preview series Grant is kind of um, uh, threefold. One, how do we become better fans and consumers of college football content? Two, how do we talk ourselves into um, what teams are trying to do? And then three, like, how do we kind of envision that playing out? So it's a really nice kind of progression there. And I think Texas Tech is going to be really fun. Uh, we've kind of done our homework this week, which not that we didn't do our homework last week, just 
announcing that we've done our homework. We I, we did seventy minutes on Kansas. We did our homework, dude. Yeah, I was, I'm I'm proud of that episode. Oh, okay. Here's what I should do. Here's my other thing of banter. Malik Clark, I'm officially apologizing. Last week, I suggested that you were of poor character and had an issue. I uh, I was thinking of a different incident and a different player, and I apologize. I was wrong. Spoke out of turn there. Um, I, I didn't say anything too bad, but just still that I, I, I insinuated he was of low character. That was, that was unfounded. So want to say that about Kansas, um, shout out to whoever on Twitter called that to my attention. I, I, but I, I don't know who that was, but they had thoughtful feedback and I don't want to speak, um, one, I don't want to speak ill of college players specifically, but two, something like that, that was unfounded. So, um, uh, administration regrets the air as well yes. as what I'll say there. Let's talk about Texas tech. Um, Grant, Texas Tech has hired a coach that's going to have a high octane offense, but there's big question marks on defense. What year is it? Well, it's either what 2002, it could be uh, 2015. It's every year in Lubbock. That's that's the whole point. That's why we love Texas Tech. If you believe in Texas Tech this year, you believe that what uh, Herman Hesse wrote uh, in Siddhartha. Yeah, we're getting we're getting pretentious here. Applies. We are not going in circles. We're going upwards. The path is a spiral. We've already climbed many steps. That is my like, that is my motto for Texas Tech as we're going to preview is that, look, progress is not linear. It's circular. And Texas Tech in what they're building is is moving uh, circular. They're walking out a lot of steps, but they're still moving forward. It's almost, is it MC Escher that has the steps that, uh, kind of the circular steps that it's an optical illusion? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. T- it's not. It's not a more depressing route, I don't think. But I, I'm embodying the Texas Tech spirit. So Texas Tech, obviously, great basketball program in recent years. Even with Chris Beard leaving, uh, great baseball program under Tim Tadlock. But football in Texas is king. So this is a quote. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. It's the philosopher James McMurtry. Maybe you might be familiar. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and the song is called uh, "Justice Kids." Uh, I don't have to wear a necktie. I don't have to punch a clock. I started up a dot-com company in Manit Rocks. Won't you come with me down to Mexico in the winter with some friends? My divorce will be final long about then. Meanwhile, I got a gram and a real good ride. And don't you know I hurt way down inside. And it is, you know what? We're doing great in all these other areas, but there's still this hole that we have to fill. There's optimism. There's enthusiasm. But by God, we got to fill this hole before something goes terribly wrong. And as we move into this, in, in the second part of your threefold explanation of our preview podcasts, we try to talk ourselves into college football teams in the Big 12. And by God, Parker, I have talked myself into the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I can see it. I, man, who, buddy, I told you, I told you this evening, what I was going to try and do was just be just short of like, yelling John Bauman lyrics at you about like Lubbock and Texas and oil, but I am jacked, man. Like I can see the vision for what they've done. I think Kirby Hocutt is, I have my qualms with Kirby Hocutt about the college football playoff and about some of the things he's done that have lasting ramifications on the sport. But man, um, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I can see what he wants to do with the football team. And given how hard of a place Lubbock is to succeed, um, it, man, I, I, I think that they're doing, they're, they're, they're doing about as good as anybody could ask here. So let's talk Texas tech grant. Let's talk some, uh, some first principles. They were seven and six last year. They, um, 
fired coach Matt Wells after they took a 14 to nothing lead against Kansas State and just absolutely pilfered. Uh, is pilfered the right word? I'm going to say farted. They no. farted that away. Um, and just absolutely, absolutely blew that. They really had some obvious issues last year and it didn't look like they were making obvious progress. Um, and, uh, uh, friend of the pod, Sonny Cumbie took over and went three and two. (laughs) They had a fine end of the season. They beat Mississippi state in a bowl game that nobody watched, which is, um, I think an artifact of 2021 and still COVID out, um, issues. Hopefully 2022, we're going to have bowl seasons that are, that are fun again. I, I know that I want that. Um, overall they were 47th nationally in echo margin, right? And quality possessions, which is better than you think when we adjust it for opponent 47th is, I mean, that's top, top half. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're looking at power five. That's, that's, that's almost top, top, uh, two thirds, um, on, on offense, uh, passing, they were 94th in EPA per pass. A lot of that can be attributed to Tyler Shuck, whose name is not spelled like Shuck, um, being injured and them having to start the dirty pirate Henry Columbia, who is going to start at Marshall this year. Let me tell you, I'm going to go out of my way to watch some Marshall games this fall. Um, Are you though? Well, I, no, I not out of my way because I was going to do it anyway, but... <laughs> Um, and they, they had to deal with him. They did have, um, we'll get to this. I'm not going to get ahead of here, but man, they had a spark come in with Donovan Smith, uh, when, when Columbia kind of wasn't working out. Donovan Smith is a capital V capital F, very fun quarterback grant. Uh, and the, the rushing game was very good. Um, I think they were 40th nationally at 0.058, uh, EPA per rush. Really, really um, kind of an explosive and, and dynamic team, uh, three-headed monster there. Um, and they weren't really, you know, rushing um, or passing. One, They were, they were very, very balanced. They were 56 nationally in rush rate overall. Uh, excuse me, rush rate over expected overall. And so very kind of a balanced team that wasn't saying, hey, we're, we're a gimmick. We're good at one thing. They were, they were just generally okay at a couple of things. On defense, um, uh, kind of the same issue. They had some holes in the back, I will say back eight, because they played a three down defense. And their adjusted EPA per pass was 0.5, negative 0.051, which is 53rd. Their rushing was zero, negative 0.47, which is 45th. And, uh, and, and, and so not great on either side of the ball. Grant, my impression of Texas Tech in 2021 and generally under Matt Wells' tenure was it's, it's fine, but it's not good at any one thing. And what, what Big 12, what mediocre Big 12 teams succeed at is being fine all around and then having one excellent thing. And it really felt like Texas Tech just didn't have that, didn't have that excellent thing. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Texas Tech was a bad football program under Matt Wells, but they were never going to be a good football program under Matt Wells. Like they're like not you putting, said, they were fine. They're not putting like FCS athletes out there. Like they had a team. It's not like Kansas, right? Like they had a team right. of FBS athletes who could have played and even started at other schools, top to bottom. And there just still felt like there wasn't this wasn't this thing. Nothing clicked. Yeah. Nothing clicked. And, and and it was it was it was very much sort of like a he felt like a placeholder coach um after Kingsbury and it well and one yeah, it's that, hard to fill in those shoes of like hey we're going to score a bunch of points and like I'm suave and I like it whatever and and I will say I mean he's from out of state, you know. Yeah. Um 
the the DFW boosters were against him from the start, mm-hmm. which is hard because again, Lubbock is a hard place to win, and if you don't have full support, it gets even harder. Um, he has, and I'm not speaking out of turn here. He has some gross things going on with the way he handled some stuff at Utah State in the past, and people brought that up, and it just felt like a really weird. Hey man, this guy ran a G5 gimmicky offense. I don't know what you expected to happen here. Yeah, I mean, there there are parallels minus the the, the icky stuff mm-hmm. where that's what I kind of what I worry about TCU. It's like are we just bringing in a, a G5 coach to be a placeholder for a couple of years? But that's a different conversation. I could talk uh, about I could again, talk about that all day, but we I, I know, <laughs> and again, minus the icky I know, and again, minus the icky stuff. I, I just you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. kind of the fear. But um I, I will say there is no way to talk about Texas Tech without talking about Joey McGuire. And so if, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of focus and drill down on that a little bit before we yeah. get into offense, defense, and all that stuff. I think we can leave Matt Wells alone. I'm okay with that. He got fired. Yeah, 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 he yeah. clearly issues. They've moved on to Joey McGuire. Talk to me about talk to me about the new guy. So McGuire, of all the coaches in Texas, outside maybe a Jeff Trailer, has the deepest Texas high school football background possible. Um, head coach at Crowley, uh, which is in the DFW area, uh, in, in 1995 to 1996, was at Cedar Hill, which is a, a, a powerhouse school. Um, I'm sorry, I, I got that wrong. He was like a defensive line coach at Crowley. He was a defensive backs coach for five years at Cedar Hill. Parker, I, I spent a lot of time covering high school football, so allow me to drill down a bit. Spending five years as a DB coach at one place is insane. As a positional coach at any high school is insane. And then he became the head coach at Cedar Hill and kicked ass. Um, Won three straight championships uh, and was a runner-up at another. And then went to Baylor under Matt uh, Matt Rule. Can I say Joey McGuire has as much claim to start at the bottom now we're here as anyone in America? Yes. And so he he brings this, this enthusiasm and this sort of insane relationship with Texas high school football recruits to Texas tech. And he is a Texas tech alumnus and it might be the perfect marriage of coach and school. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what he does um, with the red Raiders. And if you look at his coaching history, like I said before, he was a defensive line coach. He was a defensive uh, backs coach at Cedar Hill. And then he was like the tight ends coach at Baylor. And then at, he became like the defensive ends coach at Baylor. And so he's, he's coached on both sides of the ball and done a bunch of stuff. And I, I really love what he's bringing to Lubbock. Yeah. He has this, he has this quote one, uh, Chris Hummer, our friend at two, four, seven has a great interview with him mm. today. Uh, that just coincidentally came out when we we're doing the preview, which is awesome. Cause it gives us a lot of material. And uh, Joey McGuire said, uh, cool. I always tell everyone I'm a Texas high school coach. Who gets to coach college football? My DNA was built in that world. Let me tell you, that'll go a long way in terms of recruits yes. in a place that's hard to get guys to go. I mean, building those relationships is great. I think about, Grant, am I misremembering a Gary Patterson quote about being a Texas school full of Texas players? Um, no, no, you're not misremembering at all. Yeah. I think I think McGuire is going to do that. I think that's absolutely what he's going for. I think McGuire, again, we will not, we'll talk about TC later. I think McGuire and and Texas Tech are in a direct competition with TCU for who can be kind of high school plus, um, especially so, in regards to VFW because that's kind of the closest metro area for for Texas Tech. Of who who is that like? Hey, great Texas high school players go to this great Texas college. 
um, who can kind of get in there as 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 well. And I think McGuire is well respected, well liked, um, knows the college and the high school circuit about as well as anybody. I, I like this idea of, hey, this is a hard place to win, but damn it, we're in Texas. We're going to hire a Texas guy who's going to be able to, um, you know, make make Texas Tech football a, a a part of Texas again. Exactly. And, and so I think we talked before a little bit about recruiting um, kind of off mic. And McGuire has a quote in this interview with 247 where he talks about uh, – recruiting West Texas. He says, we recruit West Texas as its own state. And you look at their class in 2023, and I know you have some stats on this as well. I mean, as of now, they're the second highest rated class in 2023 nationwide, only behind Notre Dame, I think. But Parker, here, here's where we're going to lose some of our non-Texas listeners. Uh, here are the towns that these recruits are from. Post, Waxahachie, Mansfield, El Paso, Wichita Falls, Humble, Clarendon, Justin, College Station, Canadian, Burleson, Manor, El Paso, Orange, Lubbock, Fort Worth, Frisco, Lubbock, Corpus Christi. Not all those are West Texas, but dadgum. I mean, they have, what, uh, 20 hard commits, and only one of them is from outside of Texas, and Tredarius Brown is from Natchitoches, Louisiana. Which is basically to East Texas, for all intents and purposes. Right, right, exactly. Um, so he, I, yeah. he, he has made a concentrated effort to recruit the guys that look i mean um isaiah crawford from post uh, is an edge rusher he's the 15th highest rated edge rusher uh in the nation again per 24 7 but it, I, I mean these guys are, are not from big towns no nope. a, a lot of them and he's he's doing the right thing i'm saying yeah go get the dudes who are like look people are overlooking you i'm gonna get you early so i think this is a genius so they're ranked second, obviously, like that we we know. I mean, Northwestern is ranked ahead of Ohio State right now. Like, obviously, early recruiting rankings don't mean anything. But I think this is a genius strategy, Grant, because so their average their 20 commits, their class is almost full, right? Their average recruit is 87.76, which is going to land them in like the 30s, maybe the 40s, depending mm-hmm. on how things break out. Last year, it was 86.49, 2020. Uh, was 86.44. So like that's uh, almost a point improvement in average. That's that's good. I'm not degrading that. But this is generally a Texas Tech class. What Joey McGuire has done has made a, a, a normal Texas Tech class turn into an extremely valuable marketing tool by signing all these guys early, by getting all this pub, getting all this press, getting all these sit-down interviews about, wow, how is he doing so well? He... He knows what he's doing by taking this many guys this early and getting their name at the top of the board. So it's not just, I mean, their their recruiting is a little bit better this year under Joey McGuire, and he's finding those guys in small towns that are overlooked. That's great. But he's also strategically positioning himself to be in the media cycle for six months while other schools who are a little slower developing are doing that. And then you can go to 2023 guys and be like, dude, we're top 10. We're not effing around. Come, come here. And, and build on that. I think that is a genius strategy from just kind of like a marketing standpoint. And somebody who knows the high school back channels like Joey McGuire does, I mean, that that, that is just such a smart and savvy move for them to, to take this many guys this early. Yeah, and I think uh, you, you really kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of media and really just in terms of public perception because McGuire, A, he has that background, but B, he has enthusiasm and the enthusiasm isn't forced. Like... Like when he leads a Raider power chant, he ain't lying. You know what I mean? And um, 
which, which is like yeah. there, there's a section of Texas Tech internet that will tell you Matt Wells got fired because he got asked about Lubbock in an interview and he was like <laughs> like right. he just mumbled you're like oh, okay <laughs> you don't belong here that interview clip I watched it today reminded me of um, Rain Me In but Dana Altman who's the head coach at Oregon now he used to be the mm-hmm. head coach at uh, Creighton basketball yes and he like briefly took the Arkansas job and he did a press conference yeah. and they called the hogs and he looked more uncomfortable than any person I've ever seen in my entire life. Like someone might as well grant have like stuck their finger in a garbage disposal, pulled up whatever gross stuff and tried to put it in Dana Altman's mouth. Like he looked that uncomfortable at calling the hogs and left. Matt Wells kind of had that vibe about Lubbock where it's like, not only, not only do I not like this town, I don't, I can't even pretend that I like this town. Like this is clearly not a good fit for me. So, so right, and then the other end of that spectrum is Brian Kelly at his intro press conference or like introduction <laughs> at the LSU basketball game where he adopts a Cajun accent for some reason. Like Joey's right in the middle where like Hunter Cook, a mutual friend of the podcast, um, Actual, great guy, like active enemy of the podcast, but carry on. I, sure, is like foaming at the mouth. Every time Joey McGuire does a press conference because he's so excited, like it is a real thing, and so like it, like he he, he has the guts. Um, he, he's um not not that Sam Pittman has necessarily earned this, but like Joey McGuire has a Pittman esque vibe around him, where it's like, dude, you're not getting another yeah. job. Like this is the thing, and that's <laughs> you're doing awesome. this for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is what you're going to do. Yep. Um, you're not going to. And here's the thing: Illinois later in your career, and like Burt be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. I like that we call him Bert, even though his name is I can't, very clearly My Brett. brain is so broken. I can't call him anything other than Bert. <laughs> well, here's – are you ready for a transition, Parker? Yeah. So here's the other thing Joey McGuire has done very well. He's hired some good coordinators. Dude, I – yeah. Yeah, he really has, and he's done it in a really, really interesting way. Um, well, I'll start by saying like Tim DeRuiter – extremely experienced older guy yes. was at Fresno state did some really great things out there a really well-respected defensive mind there there Texas tech has always struggled with defense, especially recently, but kind of generally always. And, and what McGuire said was I need, I need a guy who can take the Texas talent that I'm amassing and build something bigger than Texas tech. And, and DeRuiter's experience on defense, I think is just an extremely smart move. That's a, that's a direct contrast to what he did on offense, which I think I'll let you talk about. Right, which is that he hired Zach Kitley. So first thing we need to note is that Parker is older than Zach Kitley. What am I doing with my life? I So Kitley Grant, was is a dream the, uh... a lie if it doesn't come true or is it something worse? You have said that in like the last eight podcasts that we've done. You've said that exact <laughs> same thing. Um Kitley Bruce Springsteen, who's increasingly problematic on read listens, has some great lines. <laughs> Kitley, born in Abilene, here is coaching stops. Student assistant at Texas Tech. I think he signed to play baseball, actually. Uh, graduate assistant at Texas Tech. This is during the Mahomes years. OC and quarterbacks coach at Houston Baptist. OC and quarterbacks coach at Western Kentucky, where Bailey Zapp, noted Corpus Christi, Texas native. Cor- no, Victoria. Victoria, I think. Um, where he set all kinds of records. And then now he's the OC and QB coach at Texas Tech. Parker, I watched cut-ups. Um, I'm going to shout out. Um, make sure I get this right at do a Barrow roll, uh, Jake Barrow on Twitter, um, did a cut up on YouTube of, it was just 
the first Western Kentucky and UTSA game uh, from last year because they played again in the uh, CUSA championship. Yeah. Dude, I I was transfixed. And I I watched a couple Western Kentucky games just because, oh, like Bailey Zapp's doing a bunch of crap. You know, he's he's insane. Some of the stuff that that Kifley threw out is, or excuse me, Kitley, was like otherworldly. He's a genius. Yeah, I, I really think um so there's two argument there's there's two things about him. One, they grant Western Kentucky under Zach Kitley threw the ball seven hundred and thirty times last year. Right. <laughs> that's so, more than so that's double what Texas Tech did last year. Like Texas Tech with Henry Columbia. <laughs> including screens. Western Kentucky threw double that amount. 62 passing touchdowns, 5,940 total yards. So yeah, the it, volume it's, it's, argument is one. Two, um, I, I think the key to his offense, and, and I think your your film watching will probably confirm this, uh, my, my very vague prior, is that he's just got a good sense for like, oh, that dude's a dog. Let me get a matchup for him. And they'll like motion three by one and just ruin your day. Like, it, Bailey it's very, Zapp is it's fine. Like, he's a fine quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks could have put up those numbers in that system against that competition. Is that fair? It's very mean. Yes. No, it is. So, I, here are the notes that I had. So, first off, I, I will say, too. So, you mentioned all the passing attempts and, and the yards. I, I'm by no means a run expert. They do a lot of just, hey, we're just going to run inside zone. Inside zone? Um, Airways, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it's a fine scheme. Um, it... I mean this as a compliment. It looks like an arena league football offense. Um, like, you know, like I, I, as a compliment, like there's a lot of like really smart motion. There's guys just booking it downfield. But so there's a lot of like creative rubber outs, right? Like 10 yards down the field, guys are intercepting and a guy's breaking off free from that. Um, there's a play, Parker, I texted you this and I almost tweeted the video, but it was very amateurly shot off my TV from this cut up. Um, they had trips left. No, sorry. Two guys left. They motion the inside receiver from the right to put another guy on the left. They swung the running back out left. So now there's four guys left to the boundary side, and they ran a drag route with the field receiver just to get him open because every defensive back and linebacker on the boundary side of the field is like, what the hell is going on? It's like um, a washing machine. It's like this like circular yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. It's... You put it really well. It's it's circular, not angular. Like yeah. everything they do is designed to get guys open, and it's brilliant. I mean, and the thing is too, it's aggressive. They uh, in that game, they threw like a, a fifty yard streak down the right side from their own end zone. Um, again, that's because Bailey Sapp can make those throws, but they they don't care. They will try anything, and it's it's funny um, in that uh, interview. Um, McGuire was asked about um, Kelly's office at Western Kentucky, and he was like, and the question was like, oh, like, well, it put a lot of stress on the defense. And McGuire's like, yeah, gotta be honest, didn't watch a lot of the defense. Um, really only cared about the offense. And I think that's kind of the right attitude. Yeah. Uh, Kitley says, Kitley says, um, in, the, in that, again, that great interview, Chris Hummer, shout out. Um, uh, McGuire says he hired Kitley because Kitley was like, Hey, I don't run a system. Just give me the best 11 players and we'll make it happen. And their personnel this year gives like a fascinating experiment for how far that axiom of like 
I just want to create the best 11 guys goes because they have some interesting kind of personnel fits on that offensive side. Yeah. And as long as we're talking about personnel, we might as well start with quarterbacks. So it's a really fascinating quarterback room. I think we talked a couple weeks ago about potential starting quarterbacks in the big 12. And I threw my hat in the ring for Baron Morton. He's not going to start for Texas tech. That's fine. But it's basically Tyler Shuck versus Donovan Smith. You and I both, I'm pretty sure, are on the Donovan Smith hype train. Like, I get, okay, Tyler Shuck, like, great recruit. I understand. Wasn't a good fit at Oregon for what they wanted to do. Like, theoretically, really accurate, good quarterback. Not fun. Decidedly the unsexy right. answer to this offense. Um, it's kind of like. This is going to be a deep track office office reference, but um, when Will Ferrell like first comes on the show, he and uh, he and Ed Helms as Andy Bernard go out on a sales call, and <laughs> and and Will Ferrell's like, you know, if you want your paper for the price you agreed on at the time you wanted it, Andy's not your guy. But uh, you know what? It just might be the best decision you ever made. Why don't you spend the chamber, Boris? <laughs> like that's how I feel about Donovan Smith. It's like. Maybe, maybe Tyler Shuck would be like consistent and good and high quality. But what you could have with Donovan Smith is so fun. I just feel like you have to do it. Right. Well, that's the thing too, is especially if you view it in the context of Kitley's office, uh, excuse me, let me think about the office, Kitley's offense, um, Shuck might actually be like the right candidate because he's extremely accurate and can make those throws. Um, but Donovan Smith, also very fun. So, again, I'm, we're going to reference this interview a bunch from 24-7 because it's very, very good. But McGuire talks about the quarterback room. Um, and uh, he has a quote there where he's like, you know, we're not going to be a system where we rotate quarterbacks. But don't be surprised if all of our quarterbacks don't play or have a package. To which I will stop you right there and say, it sounds a lot like you're rotating quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> that was a politician <laughs> answer right there. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> it depends on what your definition of is, is, but, uh, and, and then the next line is Donovan Smith has done a phenomenal job. He's six foot five, 240 pounds right now. He'll probably be 245 by then. And I'd be crazy if he doesn't, if he doesn't win, not to have him in the red zone in certain situations. It's like, well, do it all the time. It's very fun. Yeah. He's, I, look, he's okay. big and cool. If, if we have to settle for the Donovan cat, I'm okay with that. Like, okay, I'm fine with that. The, the, it, it, if that's all we get, that's fine. But I do think he is a, to be a little serious here, I think he is mm. a big body who's super athletic. And while his accuracy is probably not that of Shuck, um, uh, you know, in this offense that they're going to do, it, last year what they were trying to do was a lot of like screens and very pinpoint, get it to this guy, he's in space, he'll make a move, especially with Cumbie as their offensive coordinator. Kitley is a little more downfield, and by a little more, I mean a lot more downfield. A lot more. Parker, I, I, I'm reading a stat here, and maybe you've seen it, but if you haven't, guess how many passing touchdowns Texas Tech had last year? 17. 18, hey. which seems extremely low. Yeah, it's not great. And 18 touchdowns against 11 interceptions, and again, that's spread out between Smith, Shook, and Columbia. And I really think this offense under Kitley is going to be a lot more aggressive. And I'm hoping to see Smith in that offense just to see what he can do with it. With that said, Kitley's very good at getting guys open. And I think Shook can also 
thrive in that uh, in that department. Speaking of guys getting open, wide receiver room, you know, minus uh, Eric Ezekonda, but a, a lot of guys at wideout that can, you know, catch the ball. So definitely, definitely some questions there. They they lose Izukanma, who's a freak. So like two years in a row, they lost Vasher and then they lost yeah. Izukanma. Like just absolute freak athlete dudes. Um, that's 22.4% of their targets. And then they lose Kalen Geiger as well, who's on an NFL roster. I think he's with the Bucks. Um, that's 18.8% of targets. So that's 40% of their total targets. Not, not their receptions, not their yards. They're just... When we threw a pass, 40% of the time we threw it to these two guys and they're gone. That's a huge, huge um, loss. And so that cannot be overstated, especially because Geiger and Izukanma played outside. <laughs> and Miles mm-hmm. Price, they're bringing back the slot receiver who is annoying as hell. 42 <laughs> targets, two touchdowns, but 5.8 yards after, after a catch per reception. His long was only 40. So he was like yeah. grinding out yards on contested catches. He had 88.1% uh, of his passes were dropped, which is not good. Like that's Wait, wait, that's wait, wait, say that one more time. 8.1% of his targets, he dropped. So almost one of every time he threw the ball to him, he just stone hands dropped. Cool, yeah, very cool. Not, not, not great. Uh, 92% of snaps in the slot. Maybe that's the Columbia effect. Um, sure. But... Not not great, but a very dynamic kind of like spark plug at the slot. And so I feel good about that. They they moved um, Xavier White, who was a very explosive running back last year, and and uh, Charles Charles Townsend. We should not do this uh, this informally. Sure. Sorry. No, it, it, it happens. Townsend? I don't even see a Townsend. No, there's a Townsend. Roster. It's, there's a Thompson. No. Sir Roderick, who we'll get to. I'm going to vamp by talking about, again, that Childish Things by James M. Murtry is, is the best written song of all time. Who the hell is Townsend? I don't believe I have any. I, think, I, I literally think you're making this person. No, Chidarius. Chidarius. Chidarius Townsend. my freaking lawn. Chidarius Townsend. He's a running back. He he did not have many snaps. He did not have many attempts. He's moved out uh, to wide receiver as well. He and White. White played wide receiver in high school and moved to running back because they're, they're – they're, um, uh, room was so thin and then actually was productive part of that three-headed monster. He's going to be at the slot. Townsend is kind of a slot body. So with him, Price, and White, you have a lot of like inside, shifty, get the ball in space, yeah. make something happen kind of a guy. And that's good. That's not that's not explicitly bad. Um, I have questions about who's on the outside. Yeah, I do too, especially in, in an offense, as we've talked about with Kitley, where they are not afraid to take deep shots. There's just not a ton of guys that are going to go out and get the ball. I mean, Trey Cleveland's 6'4". Um, that should be an advantage. But at the same time, you look at his stats from last year, and I, it was not very impressive. Um, I, he wasn't trusted with a lot. Um, I will say this. He did not drop a ball uh, on 18 targets, so that's cool. But – you know, if that's what you're rolling with, then you know it, it's not exactly encouraging. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not great. I think that um, I talked to shout out to uh, shout out to our buddy Ben Goland, who covers mm. Texas Tech. You can find him on Twitter at Benjamin Golan. Um, he, he talked to me a little bit about some Texas Tech stuff today because again, we do our homework, but also I like to like talk to people who have their ear to the ground and and who are they excited about. Um, the the wide receiver room is pretty pretty wide open. Uh, pun intended, very bad pun intended. 
but um, also has some young guys they're excited about. I think that names that you would watch if you're just looking for who's going to emerge, J.J. Sparkman will probably be one of their outside receivers. Um, Loic Foungi, I think is is how you pronounce it. Um, Works for me. And Jared Bradley are kind of the athletes who are competing for that third wide receiver spot. Um, like they're going to have guys underneath, but they have to figure out, you know, one of those three guys has to step up and be the downfield threat and kind of cover, um, that, that fill in that Izukanma void, like legitimately, um, Texas tech beat Houston, even with healthy shuck because Izukanma, like they could just close their eyes and throw it to him and, and it could work. And the offense needs that downfield threat. Um, Grant, I can't believe that it's 46 minutes into this podcast. And we haven't talked, we haven't said this name yet. Uh, I think that the biggest question mark for me on the offense is their recent transfer from Texas A&M, oh. Baylor Cup. Don't get me started on Baylor Cup. So I Baylor have like Cup half of, I have like a whole page on tight ends for Texas Tech yeah, just because of this. So, so Baylor Cup played at Brock High School, which was uh, probably about 45 minutes of the high school I used to cover, which is Granberry. And 3A school... It's very rare where you're like, you know, this tight end is out of this world. Baylor Cup is one of those guys. Uh, committed to AM, transferred out of AM. Uh, the aforementioned Hunter Cook, I want to make sure I get this quote right from him. I texted him and asked him, hey, do you know why Baylor Cup transferred to Texas Tech? And he said, quote, better school, nicer people, etc. cetera. Um, so maybe that's a reason. But Cup is legitimately, you have him in there like his comp is Travis Kelsey, and I don't think that's wrong. Like, he is a legitimate weapon on the field. He's a dude in capital letters. I Yeah, so I, I look, we're just going to do a Baylor Cup fast facts section segment right now, I think, is what we're going to do. Um, he was a four-star. He was a number one tight end in his class. His class was 2019, so he's been around for a little bit. Yeah. Very experienced. 6'7", 245. Um, the reason I note that is you one— didn't. Big dude also plays like kind of a wide receiver as a as a tight end, like kind of that split out guy. In high school, Grant he run he he ran and 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 meddled in the two hundred meter. That's like Max Duggan's claim to fame in Iowa is that he like meddled in the two hundred meter. And this dude is like six inches taller and sixty pounds heavier than Max Duggan. <laughs> yeah, he's insane. That is man. insane. Um. The 247 Scouting Report says he's one of the most explosive overall athletes in the in his recruiting cycle. Most of his production comes off play action, where he blows past defensive backs, resulting in wide open plays. Very sick. I, and I, I will say again, not to to, to fluff Kitley, or excuse me, Kitley, but like watching that Western Kentucky game, he uses a lot of tight ends. McGuire kind of talked about this in the interview too, where he's like, hey. We have a lot of talented tight ends. We'll show up at 11 personnel, 12 personnel, you know, whatever person, and just get the best players on the field. Yeah, that that kind of like, who's who's the 11? I, I, I think that I tweeted this out earlier today. Texas Tech is going to do weird stuff. They're going to be like 20 yeah. personnel, but there's still going to be tight ends on the field who are like split out. Yeah. They're going to put three tight ends, but like Cup is going to be split out. I mean, I, I think they could be extremely fun. It's going to be a huge departure from where they were in the past. Um, Western Kentucky last year, Grant, 17 of 560 targets were to a tight end. Um, that number is wrong of 560, only 17 targets. They, they really didn't 
Like they they use the the tight end super strategically, but not prolifically. I wonder if they're going to change that having Cup and having all these guys here. Um, Texas Tech hasn't thrown 40 targets to a tight end since like 2013. Uh, in twenty in twenty twenty one, they threw twenty four yeah. to Kuntz. Twenty twenty, they only threw twenty two to Kuntz. Two thousand nineteen, thirty six to Donta Thompson. In two thousand eighteen, they only had two tight ends or two two targets to their starting tight end, Donta Thompson. So, um, this will be a departure. I Grant, I had kind of come up with a game that we're not going to play because I went down and did this this um, look at like Texas Tech tight ends, and I was going to play nineteen nineties character actor. Or Texas Tech tight end, because some of these names are like absolutely hilarious. Um, but they just, I mean, they have not used a tight end, and now they have um Fam is his name? Tharp, excuse me. Wrong Tharp, wrong last yeah. vowel. I would have failed world there. They have Tharp who's like developed and, and is in his prime to take over. They have um and they have Cup as well, who, if he can stay healthy, is is good. I was worried, Grant, about competitive disposition with uh Baylor Cup. And talking to a couple of people on, on all accounts, it seems like he got injured and Texas A&M just kind of recruited around him and said, hey, we can't wait for you to get healthy. And it looks like he, I mean, is primed to come get a huge share of targets at Texas Tech this fall. Do you remember when uh, the Bears had like nine tight ends on their roster that preseason? I don't know if you remember that. Or not. It was like Cole Komet and eight other people. It was insane. <laughs> um, Texas Tech has done the opposite of that for the last five years, but now they have talent at that position. Parker, we are 50 minutes into this podcast. We have not yet talked about either the offensive line or the defense. This and for rules. the sake of our poor listeners, we should probably do that. Because we listeners can't do last week, Kansas Well, they episode. went an hour and 10 minutes about Kansas. Surely it can't get worse. Well, we're about to hear 90 on Texas Tech and also um, whatever the hell we talked about in our Panther section. But uh, the offensive line, yeah, it's fine. The offensive line has a lot of uh, turnover. Uh, You have here in your notes, um, uh, Rodgers and Wright return. That's a tackle and guard, respectively. Rodgers played right tackle last year. He's going to go to left tackle this year. Yeah, which is probably the right move because he's the most experienced player on that roster, essentially. Um, Win- Winston Wright, right, the left guard, guard, takes over at Dawson Deaton, the center for Texas Tech last year, was the most experienced Big 12 lineman. I think that Winston Wright, without having crunched all of my numbers, I think that Winston Wright is the most experienced Big 12 offensive lineman this year. There you go. So, th- listen, experience is good, but experience is good. But, hey, at least they have experience. Um, so the question marks remain on center, left tackle, um, uh, unless Rogers moving over there, and then um, kind of the right side of the line. So, you know – Kitley wants to do a lot of really fun things on offense, but the question is, is Shuck or Smith or whoever going to be protected um, while they're back there? And and Texas Tech has generally been, their offensive line has been highly touted. A lot of that is because they throw so many screens, so many quick, immediate throws that the offensive line hasn't been tested. For Kitley's downfield offense to kind of, and they've, they've run blocked well, for Kitley's downfield offense to develop, they are going to have to give their quarterback time, I I that that's going to be a hurdle. That's that's maybe the red flag for me. I think the downfield threat will emerge. They have the guys at wide receiver. I think they really fun stuff with tight ends and the slot guys and the running backs they have. I'm I'm worried about what the three of five offensive linemen look like if they can get enough time to develop Kitley's plays. For sure. And while you said that, it reminded me of something, which is that we somehow did not talk about the running backs, which includes Sir Roger Thompson, who's really damn good. Dude, a great – okay, and Taj Brooks. 
and Xavier yeah. White, who's going to be a slot yeah. guy and going to be like an, a really good running back trio. Yeah, like I, I don't think they're going to do anything too like arcane and obscure with the running game. But when you have that amount of talent, like just hand the ball and say, hey, get me four <laughs> yards. And I think this line can block for that. I think the running back, you know, crew can do that. Um, yeah, like I, I think you, you, you in the history of Texas Tech football, you've never talked about the running game. But I think Sir Roderick and, and company can do a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they, they, they broke off big plays last year. They um, were really, I mean, for as, for as poor as their passing game was, their, their running game was, was very solid. And I, um, again, they weren't, so you look at that like rush rate over expected stat, they were 56 nationally, very balanced. It wasn't like they were just running a, running a bunch, spamming runs and hoping something happened. They were, they were running in situations that people typically run in and they were still really successful. So I think that the running game is really good. That grant speaks volumes to what they could do with Baylor Cup with the play action game. Yes, <laughs> if you've exactly. Got to defend the run game, and they have a credible like big dude middle threat that your big nickel can't cover. That's going to be a problem. It's going to be a real problem. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Kitley does with that. Um, Parker, we should talk about the defense. So DeRoyer brings in. Have to. I know. I almost don't. Even, I just want to ignore it entirely, even though there, it's interesting. My, my preview for Texas Tech 2022 is they're going to score a lot, but. But, right. Well, and that's the thing, too. And, like, not to get too, like, deep into the weeds, but I think a lot of what McGuire's year one is going to be is, like, okay, does the offense work? Like, can Kitley transfer this from Western Kentucky and playing in a G5 with, you know, a, an all-time G5 quarterback? to a P5 conference where there's a lot of other good offense that they have to offenses that they have to compete against. I mean, that UTSA game I mentioned, it was super fun, but they lost like 49 to 46 or whatever. And they, it's not exactly right, but it's close. And they lost the, um, CUSA championship game to them. Like, I I think also basically the same score. Yeah. Yeah, They couldn't stop it. Yeah. They couldn't stop a cold. So listen, it's as long as the offense works very fun. And we'll figure out the defense later. DeRoyer does bring a a 3-4 defense. Um, he's a really good defensive coordinator. As you mentioned, at Fresno State, had some good years. At the end of his tenure, some pretty bad years. But I, I, I think he's a competent guy. And I think while the secondary had some questions last year, they are deep. And I think they're returning a lot of guys, correct me if I'm wrong. And so I'm curious to see how they progress in 2022. Um, Yes. No, I, 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 yes, I'm there with you. I, I, I think that, I'm I'm opining broadly on something you asked specifically, but like McGuire was a part of both Rule and Aranda's staff at Baylor. I think he has seen how far, hey, have a clear vision for what you want to do on offense and then like clean up special teams and penalties and stuff, how far that can take you. So I think that's the kind of team they'll be this year. Um, defense, I have a lot of questions, but I have a lot of optimism. So Texas Tech uh, overall returns, let me get this number exactly right. Um Texas Tech returns uh, 65% of their defense. That's 71st in the nation. So there's some turnover, but it's kind of like strategic turnover. And it's, again, that's based on stats that might not capture the whole thing. So I think there are some legitimate dudes, especially on this defensive line. Tyree Wilson. Mm-hmm. I think Tyree Wilson is going to be all Big 12 as an edge rusher here. He's a four and three star. He played offensive, uh, excuse me, outside linebacker in high school. Led, led Texas Tech with 31 pressures. 
Um, he had like 17 missed tackles. And so maybe there's some problematic issues with his like defense on the, on the zone read, but generally a guy who's going to stand up can play kind of the three, uh, the, the, the edge or the, or the outside linebacker be very versatile. Um, absolute dude, Tyree Wilson for, for Texas tech. Well, speaking of absolute dudes, Parker, we, we, we have to spend at least a minute on Jalen Hutchings, who you sent a clip of him. I believe the word he uses bowling ball. Playing running back in high school. Okay, Jalen Hutchings is the nose tackle for, for Texas Tech. Go back to the Baylor game and watch. Baylor's offensive line was so effed up because they had to double Hutchings every time. He's 5'11", 305 pounds, and he played running back in high school. Um, like, just absolutely what you need out of a nose tackle in the, in the three down offense, a butterball. He's listed at six foot. No way. <laughs> absolutely not. The word I would use is dense. He's just the <laughs> densest human being in the world. And he's going to blow up the middle of your line. Whether you if like this it is a not. podcast for Gen Z, we would be calling him a thick boy, but it's not, it's not a podcast for Gen Z. So I will not call Jalen Hutchings a thick boy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, so the him. offensive line or the defensive line, I like that. Miles Cole comes in from ULM. He's kind of yeah. he's a little bit like um, for for TCU fans, um, Marcel Brooks. He's like, hey, you're kind of rushing the passer. You're moving like another versatile guy with Tyree Wilson and Jalen Hutchins. I really feel like they've got a lot of options there um, on 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 defense. They also have um, I'm I'm getting the name wrong, and I'm just terrible about this. Uh, all these names. Uh, yeah, I can't bail you out. I'm sorry. Philip Bildy um, is is the the kind of bigger defensive tackle. So if they go tackle nose edge, it'll be Bildy Hutchings Wilson. But if they go edge nose edge, Cole will come in. Pretty productive at ULM. Uh, gives them another like legitimate option. And again, from Ben Golan, the the staff is super high on Miles Cole as a as a dude. So the defensive line, I feel really good about the defensive backfield. Fry, Dunlap, DTD, and Pearson, like they have guys that have played super well last year. So um, Dadrion Taylor Demison at safety, 73, uh, 73.3 grade. And he really didn't allow a lot of yards after catch. He had a 100.6 passing grade against five pass breakups and three interceptions. Like a super disruptive guy to anchor that. Dunlap uh, and 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 Fry at the corners, I think, play really really good defense. Um, and and last year their issue was kind of they were all young, they were not in good positions, and they didn't really know what to do. And and they kind of got exploited there. I think with a defensive pass rush that can be formidable, a little bit of pressure comes off those guys, and they become really really um, an interesting unit there as well. Yeah, I, I think defense is going to be hard to judge for Texas Tech this year. A, because I mean, I will say this, I, I am a layman when it comes to defense, and I'm barely above a layman when it comes to offense. But um, this is new personnel for DeRoyder. This is, I mean, it's still a 3-4, but it's it's really a new scheme. And so until you see these guys under his tutelage, that's just a really fun word to say because it has toot in it. Um, you know, who, who the hell knows? But I, I think there is talent on that roster, as you mentioned, with the transfers and, and with a nose tackle that is essentially just a, a black hole moving, you know, towards your center. Um, they could be disruptive. And, you know, I, I think 
uh, Keith Patterson, the, the former defensive coordinator at Texas Tech, kind of built his brand around, hey, we're going to be really disruptive, intercept a lot of passes, blah, 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 blah. Didn't work great. And so I think a, a more solid, almost kind of basic, hey, we don't need to jump in front of everything, but we just need to contain you is going to be a lot better for Texas Tech than what it was in the past. And and compared to what they had last year, they have a back end and a front end. And that makes their linebacker problem less problematic than it was last year. Although I, I agree there will be some kind of like growing pains, structural um, fr- like structural friction kind of there as, as DeRuiter gets his guys in. But um, th- like they lose co- – like they had Colin Schooler and Rico Jeffers last year. Like those are guys. Yeah. They had Jordan Brooks two years ago. They have they had guys at linebacker who just didn't do anything. This year um, – I think the best linebacker is probably Krishan Merriweather. He had a rough year last year, but again, it was kind of like D. Winters, where D. Winters was put in a lot of bad positions because everyone else around him wasn't doing great. Um, and so I, I think Merriweather is kind of the, the best guy. Pierre and Moore will be around there. Um, one guy that I'm really interested to see how DeRuiter uses is Marquise Waters. He played safety last year. He's a little bit bigger. I think they're going to make him the quote unquote big nickel. And so he'll kind of be that like, I'm a linebacker, but I'm not. I'm all over the field kind of guy. Petrie. Jalen Petrie-esque a little bit. No, I'm going to push back on that. We haven't talked about this. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Sorry. That's fine. Um, I think he's bigger than Petrie. I think he will be more of like a linebacker to stop the run, but... Gotcha. Pass okay. coverage guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although Petrie is a freak and could do both of those. So, so again, right. I don't know the nuances. No, well that's enough. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he definitely would be a guy that's like, if waters is having a great season, like if, if Texas tech defense is going well, Wilson's all big 12 and waters is all big 12 because he's kind of that like yeah. roving. I can, I can fix holes where there are holes kind of a guy. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. Will their pace of play, um, put their defense kind of in a bad position. Uh, that, that could be an argument. I don't know. Generally, I think that the defense has experience on the defensive line, experience the defensive backs and promise in that linebacker unit. That, that to me seems optimistic, maybe more optimistic than they've, they've been able to be the last couple of years. Just saying the word promise for the Texas tech defense is optimistic. Don't take that to the I bank. Mean, I, yeah. Good Lord. Right. Um, okay, Parker, it is time. Well, first, we're gonna do a little bit of a schedule rundown here, but I want to get uh, a word in from our from our listeners here. So, so you tweeted, uh, just hey, you know, if you're a Texas Tech fan, if you're you know a listener, what's Texas Tech's ceiling this fall? What should they look like at their best? So, I have a couple. I don't know if you have them pulled up. I can just read them to you. We can we can react. Yeah, to that'd be them. great. Um, yeah, this is from friend of the. This is from relative of the podcast, Will Brasher. Um, McGuire reignited the spark. Great seasons by other sports have kept the energy. Have to at least go bowling in year one to maintain. First half of the schedule is tough, so they have to finish the season strong, which is not something that Texas Tech football does well, and recruiting's on the up. And he also demands that I publicly retract my statement that I taught myself into Kansas beating Texas Tech in Lubbock. We will get to that. Um, from Ryan Evans at Ryan E836, I'd be happy with six and six. The non-conference schedule is tough, and Vegas might have Tech as underdogs in five of the first six. That sounds about right. Ceiling might be seven and five. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon at Cali Texan. That's T E C H N. Ceiling, as if everything breaks right. Nine and three is not unreasonable. Agree to disagree. 
uh, I think 7-5 and five is more probable. It's a talented roster, and the O-line has to be better than last year to reach their potential. I agree that the that O-line is very has optimistic. to be better. Yeah. 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 You ain't I, lying. Will it be better? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, It's funny to me. That's one of those like time capsule things. Grant, if I've turned back and be like, hey, TJ Storman actually transferred to Texas Tech because he wanted to improve his NFL prospects. That's a weird statement to say after the 2022 season, looking back. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Roberts, Aggie Mark. I think they could reach seven and five best case. Huge game week two hosting UH. That'll give us an indication of what they got. Holgo just said he thinks UH can go undefeated. Holgo did say that. Holgo says a lot of things. In the words of Lizzo, uh, Holgo this year is trying to be a hundred percent that bitch. Like I think he's, he I think he's posturing to be like the media savvy kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason Statham, surely not his real name, but if it is, congratulations to you at Touchdown Parlay. Don't be stupid and assume Tech will put up Western Kentucky numbers. An offense like this is about experience. WKU had a quarterback and three receivers with the year's experience playing for Kitley, and Shuck is not zappy. Agreed. Still want it to be cool. That's good so, because I definitely tweeted and said, I assume that Texas Tech will put up Western Kentucky numbers. Right. So I appreciate the I, I, there. <laughs> I predicted that Tyler Shuck was going to break Bailey Zapp's record for, Grant uh, for, for passing. Tyler Shuck is Bailey Zappy. <laughs> Actual quote. <laughs> Twitter's a weird place, man. It's a weird place. Also, we're an hour or something into this. I've alter- alternatively called it Zapp and Zappy. No, it, it's I Zapp, think it's right? Zappy. No, I think I th- it's Zappy. Zappy. Okay, well. Great it's, regrets to the air. It's fine. You're from Bay City. The rest of the world has low expectations yeah, it, for you. It, it, it's an accent. And the last one is a BKC TTU. I think home field and Lubbock will play a big role this year. There's major juice flowing through the program since McGuire took over. Dude, I don't know better. if that. Dude, well, I don't know if it'll affect results, but I do agree that there's juice. Like, tech fans are fired the hell up for this era. Like, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, and. It's interesting. And the way the Big 12 schedule works right now, Grant, um, is five and four. So, like, one year you have five home games, the other year you have four home games. Texas Tech has five home games this year. And they've been relatively decent at home. 2021, they were three and three. 2022, they were four and two. Three and three, 19. Three and three, 18. So, like, they've been at or, at or above 500 um, at home, which they need to do a little bit better. This year they have FCS, I think it's Murray State. Yep. Um, then they have Houston, which I thought was at Energy when we did our podcast a couple weeks ago. I yeah. messed up. That's not a neutral site game. That is in Lubbock. Um, so God help you. And then they have Texas at home. Uh, West Virginia, I think getting them at home is a really good draw this year because they're going to be a really volatile team. And they've got Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. Can yeah. they win well, four of those games? Well, let's get to it. Let's let's run down the schedule. So, so here we go. So – Home for Murray State. I, I, I will say that's a win. I'm going to be honest, don't know a lot about the Murray State football program. Shout out to Racers. Shout out to Eric Kriegler, the most famous Murray State racer sure. of all time. Shout out to their air rifle program. I think one of the best air rifle programs in the country. Uh, outside of TCU, they're national champions. Um, but should be a win, right? I think so. Okay. Hold on. i got to make sure I'm writing these down. Um, so after that, they play Houston at home. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I think Houston is better at every position than Texas Tech. I mean, well, yeah. I think it's going to be a loss, but I think it's going to be like a really, like, what time is this game? 3 p.m. Okay, this nope. game's going to last until 8 p.m. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really fun, but I, I think it's probably a loss. Um, at NC State. 
think a loss. I mean, Grant, State, they're going one and four. They're going one and five to start the season. Dude. <laughs> Don't I know? Hold on. Okay, so it at sucks. Kansas State, it's so hard. It's so hard. Like this, this like before their bye week, hope, dude. Houston, NC State, Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. That sucks. You it cannot. Sucks. I, I, you cannot judge Joey McGuire on the results of those first. No, five. no, dude. That, that's what I'm saying. And, oh and I hope it gosh. doesn't. I hope it doesn't like create like a hangover for the rest of the season because they do not deserve that. That was one of my keys. Uh, uh, keys was like uh, I said about Kansas too, but like when you're a bad team, you cannot spiral. You have to show yeah. the f up for October 22 versus West Virginia in Lubbock. Like you have to say, yep, yep. yep, we took our knocks. We're stronger for it. We're coming after your ass. You got two home games, West Virginia and Baylor. You got to win. You got to win one of those. You got to win both. So yeah, I honestly, you open up. Yeah. Well, so here we go. So you open up versus open up the Big 12 at, at home versus Texas. I, I, I will say that is winnable, but I don't think they win it. The one thing to look at there is Texas's schedule. Um, I'm vamping while I, while I confirm that. Um, and also, who I, starts a quarterback for Texas in that game? Well, that like, might be have the switch. they switched to have they have they switched to yours yet? Yeah. So, if you're looking at body blows, right? If you believe in the body blow theory, Texas plays versus Alabama at 11 a.m. on September 10th. So they're all dead. They're all dehydrated. Dead. Yeah. Then they play UTSA the next week. Then they go to Lubbock, buddy. You're hoping that Alabama beats the shit out of them. Sorry, earmuffs. UTSA gives them a body game. And then you're like, look, yeah, you're beat up. We're coming after you. That That's yeah. best case scenario for Texas Tech. But, or, I don't know, man. That's rough. Yeah, I will say. And that uh, might be the switch. Like, too. if Texas is one and one and, or two and one and UTSA was close, maybe they start card and then Sark says, all right, yep, yours is going at Texas Tech. We're throwing, we're doing it. That could be real. Yeah, I would say balance of probability is a loss for Texas Tech, but I, I will say that is a possible win. Um, yeah, at Kansas State, I, I mean, I, I really love Chris Kleiman. Um, I think that's a really I, hard I, game. I, you played I, Texas the week before. You, dude, you go you NC State. You go at NC State, home versus Texas, at at, at Kansas State, back to back to. You know what? Freaking no, hard, no, no, dude. no. I'm talking myself into this being a win because I think you have to remember this when we do our Kansas State podcast. (laughs) I'm writing everything down. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think Tech will like scramble Kansas State, where it's like, yo, we're doing a bunch of weird earmuffs shit at you, and like, I I don't think like when Oklahoma would always lose to Kansas State or like be really close with Kansas State and Lincoln Riley. In those games, like Oklahoma never tried to be like, no, we're just going to outscore you. Like they always try to like play Kansas State's game. I think Tech will be like, nope, we're just gonna do our shit again. Here's what I would do if I'm Joey McGuire. Shuck is playing the first four games. Kansas State, we're coming out with Donovan Smith option air raid. Like, yes, it's gonna be (laughs) sick as hell. I'm I'm putting it down as a win. Screw it, Thomas. Vibes, Um, vibes for Kansas State. I'm saying that's a loss, but still, that is yes, not a win or a loss, but vibes for sure. (laughs) Uh, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, uh, probably a loss. That's one and one, two, three, four, five. My God. Okay, October fourteenth is their bye week. They're one and five. That that is the come to well, I'm a two and four, but 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 that is the come to Jesus meeting where it's like, look, don't freak out. Everything's okay. 
We've been to the hard part. Let's just get through the rest of the season. Dude, they're not making a bowl this year. <laughs> who was the re- who was the listener that said nine and three? Good God. Okay. No, uh, oh my uh, God. What are the nine wins? Oh man. So, right. So home home for West Virginia. I th- that is a winnable game. I think they win that game. Uh, no, I disagree entirely, but I'm higher on West Virginia than you are. Um, okay, yeah. that's fair. Well, yeah, okay, you're higher on JT Daniels than I am. So uh, that's one and six. Oh my God. No way. No okay, way I'm, they start one and six, dude. Oh Christ. Okay, home for Baylor. This is so depressing. I didn't mean for this to get depressing. They got home for Baylor. Baylor game. My Th- that's God. winnable. I think, I think yes, it's a win. I absolutely. think it's a win. Okay. At TCU, I, who, who can possibly say? They won in Fort Worth multiple times. They definitely have. Um, I'm I'm tempted to call it a win. I'm calling that a win. I'm calling that three. That's three and six. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm 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 noting that. Yeah. Okay. So I have it as a loss. You have it as a win. Um, Next game is uh, home for Kansas. So I'm going to revise. You gotta, you gotta be Kansas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. No, to go you know to what? No, no, no. Hold on. I'm, I'm keep, I'm keeping, I'm keeping, I'm keeping it consistent. I'm calling it a loss just because I called it a loss last week. You're calling it a win, I assume. So, okay. Um, <laughs> Iowa State. This schedule sucks so. God, it's awful. <laughs> that's a loss. Dude, Home for Oklahoma. That's a loss. Man, okay, damn. so. We're gonna both wind up with the same record. Are here. we gonna go three and si- three and nine? Oh no way! No way! It's it's Dude. but it's the best three and nine of all time. My heart does okay. No, my heart cannot abide three and nine for Texas Tech this year. Find a heart win. Get you a heart win. I'm gonna Kansas say State. the heart win is the heart win is Kansas State or at Iowa State. That gives me four. Okay. That's still okay. not great, dude. Oh, frick. They're not making a bowl. I, I mean, I, oh, that sucks. No, no not a I chance. Talked myself, but we talked I, ourselves I, into them entirely and then looked at the schedule and was like, dude, I don't know. But every, but if every loss is 49-42, like, okay. Like, I, yeah, that's, it's kind of crushing, crushing losses, not getting crushed. Crushing losses. Yeah. There you go. Jeez, that stinks. We, I, I want to make this clear. We are optimistic about Texas Tech football going into the season. Yeah, I'm I'm sad. I hope that our projections are wrong. Yeah. Looking at the schedule, I have become sad at the end of this podcast because, man, this is just freaking rough. You just don't okay, get so, any breaks. So I think we did this at the end of the Kansas podcast, and uh, I, I want to be consistent, though I don't know exactly what the prompt was. But, Parker, give me one word to sum up your feelings about Texas Tech football going into the season. I can go first if you want. You put me on the spot. You go first. I got to think about it. I go first. I'm going to say patience because I think you're right about McGuire. I think you're right about Kitley. I think you're right about DeRoyter. I'm going to ask you to be patient through this first year and this schedule until Smith can descend to the starting role in 2023 without Chuck there and do cool stuff. Okay. That's great. If you would actually ask me, Hey Parker, what early two thousands rap song best describes your feelings for Texas Tech? I would have said "Patiently Waiting" by Fifty Cent. So, um, I yeah, I, I think that um, I think that I'm grounded when I look at Texas okay. Tech in twenty twenty two. They they might have a really bad record. They might it just the way the schedule breaks and the way that they are and they're they're running heavy. If if Tyler Shuck is, is his ceiling is. 
again, the defense has questions and it might be like a four and it might be a four and eight year. And that stinks after a bowl year last year when you fire your coach. But the, the I'm grounded because the vision is there. Um, the long-term plan I think is absolutely there. Can they execute it? Maybe like we'll have to see, but I think the vision is absolutely there. And so if you're a Texas tech fan, you know, maybe you steal some wins this year. Maybe you squeak to seven and five again, um, maybe West Virginia is not what we think. Um, maybe, maybe you can steal one like you did from Iowa state last year and, 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 and get to a bowl. That would be awesome for Joey McGuire. But you, you realize regardless of that, Hey, we're, we didn't hire Joey McGuire to win the national championship in 2022. We hired him to create a, a Texas football program for the next 10 years. And that's what he's yep. going to do. Yep. Parker. We need to tell our listeners to be on the lookout next week. Dude, I I will say I've, I'm jacked. I have I have typed out and deleted so many drafts of tweets where I'm just like jacked yes. this. Where yes. I need to keep to the, I need to keep the constraints. I need to put it in a box and and access that box when we need to. But man, cool stuff is happening. Cool stuff is happening. Uh, if you've listened this far, congratulations. You are now aware of the fact that we have something really freaking cool coming down the horizon that will definitely appeal uh, to TCU fans. And fans – oh, how can I put this? Fans of cool college football items. Uh, that's the only hint I'll give. But you can learn more about this, Parker. By following the Purple Theory Podcast on Twitter, that is Parker at Stats of War on Twitter. That is me, Grant, at Grant McGalliard on Twitter, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. Do we Stay have a Purple to... Theory Podcast Twitter? We don't want to do that. No, we don't. Okay. And we, we never will because that would require effort. Yeah, that's but too much. Watch this space. Watch those spaces. Um, and and I'll, I will say uh, one more hint. Get your pocketbook ready. Your checkbook, your, your, your credit cards, things of that nature. Um, be prepared. Something cool is coming. Indeed it is. I'm excited about that. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.